Hello and welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. My name is Samuel Roberts and I'm joined today by Phil Savage and Andy Kelly. We've been away for ages again. I'd rather rather <laughs> explain God, yeah. why that was. It's always the same reason. Phil went on a trip. Yep. Loads of big games came out. A well, deadline I'm, happened. Yeah, I'm just going to crack on, really. And right. uh, let's talk about Titanfall 2, first of all, uh, which came <laughs> out a couple of weeks ago now, or maybe like a week and a half ago, something like that. Something like that. But, um, that has uh, surprisingly become a Game of the Year candidate. I think we all thought it was going to be good, but no one expected the single player to be as good as it is, uh, yeah. or as inventive or different to anything out there to the point where now if i say that doom was my game of the year they go play titanfall because apparently that's no longer a correct opinion mm. not, not, not that that's necessarily like, correct anyway, like doom but, anymore so you guys have both played that campaign um yes do you want to talk about it Sorry, I've forgotten how to podcast because it's been so long. <laughs> I think that, yeah, you've, you've set us up there to speak about it, so we you've can... done your job. Oh, good. As the host. Oh, good. Phone Competently. That in, didn't I? As the host, who has, <laughs> the host who has played almost no games these last few weeks. Yeah, I play. I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get into that, but uh, no, you guys crack on with Titanfall 2. How, uh, how is it? How is this campaign, first good, of all? Good, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, moving on. Yeah. So, it's good because it's. Um, I guess we'll hit all the main points. Point one, it feels real nice. Yeah. Doesn't it? Just um, moving around th- and that's it, feels like, nice. The moving feels good and the shooting feels good. And those yeah. are the two things you need a, <laughs> yeah. a shooter to yeah. feel. It like. somehow makes... It makes you... F- it, when you, It's got like wall running in it, you know, like COD also has, but it, it's better. But it does a thing where it sort of... It reins you in a bit and so that you feel like you're doing something amazing. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like having the driving assist on in a driving game. Like you run up a wall, and like it will just sort of correct you, and you always end up jumping off at the right angle at the yeah, right I'm time. It makes you feel like you're better than you are. Constantly surprised at what I'm able to achieve while doing that, and it makes you think like, "Oh wow, I pulled that off. That's great." And yeah, it's probably the game helping you in some significant yeah, it's got ways. Yeah, things the hood, like, like yeah, like your gun will like very subtly snap to the nearest enemy when you come out of a, a wall run, just so you can like pull off that shot and, and feel like you mm. the king I, I mean I'd go as far to say as it probably feels better kind of move it traversing through its levels than Mirror's Edge does uh, despite that being Mirror's Edge's whole point yeah there's not as much nuance to it in terms of like going into a controlled role and stuff like that but it's just more the actual act of doing it is just yeah yeah yeah. I guess that's fair like Mirror's Edge is a more sort of granular set of movements that are specific based on the challenge that the level presents you I feel like you're side swiping me Phil but <laughs> no no like, like I, and no Andy's point is fair like it is that is a different sort of challenge and Titanfall while not being quite by no means is it like the Assassin's Creed hold one button and do all the parkour it is a bit more automated uh, not automated but assisted I guess it's a comfortable halfway between mm. uh, Assassin's and Mirror's Edge in that it's semi-automated but still you feel like you've got some agency over it Yeah, yeah. and it just just feels you know like the the levels are all made in such a way that it's just so satisfying to see like an enemy holding a shield and you go right I could you know there's a few ways I could approach this but you go I'll just run up the wall and land behind him and punch him and it just mm. every, and, the, and there's little micro moments like that just happen constantly depending on where enemies are positioned and uh, what's whether there's a wall near them or some other bit of scenery that you can use to do some cool parkour shit and it just constantly makes you feel amazing it's, I, I think it's, it's pretty miraculous that they've managed to do this because like I I don't know, before it came out, I, I don't think many people would have said that the campaign was their most anticipated element of Titanfall 2. Um, because, I don't know, you think of the just fighting bots in the original and how that's, you know, quite... A, they're just there to be farmed, really. So how can they make single-player so exciting? But it, it seems like this is just 
blown everyone away that on might be any level part... that we could possibly have expected. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, that might be part of the reason, a little part of why there's been such a good reaction to it because expectations were as low as they could possibly be. I mean, possibly, although I didn't play it until after all the reviews had come in and the reviews were all like nines and tens and people saying, no, God, this is some of the best shooter design of the year, you know, has like Half-Life 2 tier pacing, that sort of thing. Um, And I still enjoyed it. Like, I enjoyed it while like a bit of my brain, the like contrarian part was kicking in and saying, bullshit it's not bullshit Uh, I'm kind of disappointed it's not bullshit because it would have been fun to really argue that point but no it's just really good yeah there's some uh, I remember the sort of second big level I remember like it's a lot of grey sort of pipes and warehouse type rooms and I remember thinking like this isn't I don't understand why people were so you know mad Mm. about it but then you get to like level three and it starts doing its thing where it has for one level it has an idea it builds the level around a concept and it does it for a level and it dumps it and moves on to another thing and that's very Half-Life and sort of very like Super Mario like the recent Super Mario games have given you uh, a gameplay mechanic that's two banned words there, gameplay and mechanic. But it gives yeah. you that. Hey, Tony's on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> so it gives, we can say yeah, what we want. <laughs> it gives you one that's really good that you could easily build a whole game around and does it. It never stays its welcome. It just does it perfectly for a level and moves on. Yeah, the, the level yeah. of variety and inventiveness, to, like some of the. Uh, it, I, the The problem we're talking about this is there are some that you just don't want to spoil. Really, um, it's are they that big a deal that like it was. Yeah, really, I, I, um, went in, I went into the the big one nude. I, I walked in a nude and I and I I sort of I'm glad I did because it really caught me off guard. Is this the effect and cause effect mission? Effect and cause mission, yeah. Mm. I think we should keep it. Should we keep it a secret mm. in case anyone's? I mean, yeah, in case yeah. anyone who, who hasn't sort of figured it out by all the half clues that everyone's dropped. Yeah, uh, people thinking they're being and cute its and name subtle, actually just yeah, <laughs> yeah. The name's a clue. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but like that, that yeah. it sort of came up. Everyone said, "Oh, there's the big mechanic there. There's a big yeah. sort of surprise." And then the name came up, and I went, "Ah, oh, better this." Oh, right, <laughs> really? Because so, I just think it's like cause and effect, but the wrong way round. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, take, I say nothing. Mm, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What does it take a place sort of backwards then, like from? Yeah. No, you. It's memento. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not. We don't, <laughs> yeah. don't want to say anything. But yeah, it's cool. And it, but then, like, it, as soon as you've just gotten used to that, it just dumps it, and you and and suddenly you're like doing like a big beach assault with a hundred robots and mm. stuff like that it's like very Ooh, yeah t- like variety pacing the tone's very different in each level but it but it's all over in like five six hours and you do feel you uh, you think oh, i wish there was i wish there was twice as much of this like it's interesting like yeah. um because it's it's 50 quid on origin right yeah. which is like you know 10 pound more than pretty much any game you buy on steam uh and like i don't know for I wonder if that's been some barrier to it being a big success on PC as well. Quite like, possibly, yeah. Being um, on being on Origin doesn't help, but then being that extra yeah. ten pounds, I don't know. Just yeah. I think <clears throat> one like everyone's mentioned the pacing of that. I think the important thing about it is that while each individual level will have like a new kind of system to it, maybe um, each of them is designed to highlight how good one of its core components is mm. so you have a level that's based around a thing that's going to mean you do a lot of wall running or you do a lot of jumping and that's kind of how you move around that level or you have one that is based mostly around you know as a way to um 
enhance the infantry combat side of it when you're outside of your Titan and you're jumping around. It has possibly the best jump kick of any game since Fear. Yeah, it's um, brilliant. It's just very nice to be able to sort of throw yourself into the, the a fight. The melee attacks are sort of weirdly feel more powerful and weighty than the weapons. Like when you clump someone over the head, it feels really like you're really punching them. It's brilliant. The weapons are a really interesting part of it, and like the way they've been designed, because they feel quite subtle in a way with the way you shoot them. Like the shotgun specifically, actually, quite a light shot. Yeah, but it's like still lethal um, and deadly. Yeah, but there's a slight delay on the on the the buckshot, which makes it feel more weighty. And that you see, you sort of see the, the bullet sort of lurching out of it, and it just feels. Mm. And when it hits the enemies, they go pinging like. For it's miles. an interesting yeah, way of doing it that doesn't rely on sound design, which I think a lot of games now do. That's how you make your weapons feel good. That's what like yeah, that's it. To an it extent, and Battlefield did. Yeah. Battlefield just does it by making everything fucking yeah. loud. Yeah. The weapons are great. There's like a sniper rifle that's called the uh, double time, is it? Mm. That fires two bullets, two, two bullets at once. With a little bit of a spread between them, so you can, like, if you aim it right, you can, like, shoot two guys Ooh. at once with it. It's really satisfying. Just love yeah, the I widespread use, shotgun. Is yeah. I mm. use that in the uh, I use that in the multiplayer E3, actually. Mm. That's a really nice gun there. Yeah. So it, feel, yeah. it really feels loud and chunky, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like the the, the, the gun feel. I hate that term, but it, the gun feel is amazing. Like, they all, the, they're all, like, sci-fi weapons, but that is why they're interesting because they can do some little twists on it's mm. not all just a series of boring modern assault rifles you know there's some weird stuff in there like with slight twists on established gun formulas because that's yeah they've taken advantage of the sci-fi stuff that's been an interesting kind of twist about this year's good shooters because you've got Titanfall and what it does with weapons and you've got Doom and it's very kind of over the top crazy uh, often projectile based weapons and then you've got Battlefield, which is old, kind of shitty weapons. Yeah. And it feels like a year in which I haven't shot like an M40 assault rifle. Yeah, I think people are realising those guns are boring. Like, super efficient modern guns are boring because they're just too good at yeah. what they do kind of thing. And, like, um, that's why <laughs> Battlefield 1's so good because you've got these old rusty, unreliable bolt-action things. Yeah. It's pretty amazing that, like, uh, well, not amazing. That's definitely the wrong word. But it's uh, <laughs> Call of Duty is undoubtedly the worst shooter of the year out of those four. You know, like uh, seemingly from yeah. how, from the reviews, we, yeah, from yeah. our reviews, particularly, like it just doesn't seem to. Infinite Warfare just seems to have just not had that same impact. People aren't really talking about it. Like, mm. and it's interesting just to turn around. Everyone's gone down a different thematic route with mm. yeah. what it's about, and uh, yeah, mixed results. But then I guess Timefall Two has not caught on seemingly. Uh, like Phil, how haven't you been struggling to get multiplayer games? Yeah, I, I think um, from what I've seen Andy say as well, he has as well. Um, the server um, population is a problem. Uh, it, it's a problem depending on what time of day you play. I mean, if you're just doing it in the afternoon on a Saturday, you'll be fine. There'll be people there. But I did it late at night, one weekday, and... I just kept being put with the same people, and they were all people who are about 15 to 20 levels yeah. higher than me, and that yeah. means they are significant. Not only are they better because they've played the game a lot more, the multiplayer specifically a lot more, they're better because they just have access to a huge range of unlocks that I just can't afford at the moment. Hmm. Yeah, I and stopped playing it, actually. I mean, obviously, I've I become part of the problem by not playing it, but it kept throwing me in matches with people way above my level, and mm. then the score would be so out of joint, you'd be like 100 points to 900 points or something. And, and it just like, I just made me, I just stopped playing it. Like, it's a really frustrating kind of self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy because it's a £50 game. It's a £50 game with like a five or six hour campaign and a multiplayer that 
I've frequently found kind of, like you can see how it would be good if the matchmaking worked the way yeah. it needed to <clears throat> but it keeps it has repeatedly put me into sort of unwinnable situations it feels like oh, and it's like I really want to recommend it but at the same time can I in good faith recommend somebody to pay £50 for something that could cause that much you know, that, that may just not work the way it should because yeah people aren't buying it and it's like well i don't know how you resolve that situation really it might just be one that whether you probably need to do like a free weekend with like a big discount on it. that would be a really good idea yeah um they're doing free um there's gonna be no season pass so there'll be i'm sure they'll be announcing some big updates next year like early next year that might bring new players in if if there's something if there's like a couple more campaign levels or uh, some new multiplayer stuff, then maybe that'll get people back. Like they'll push it again. Like this, I mean, the, the there was a shareholders meeting, wasn't there, where EA was sort of asked about you know the support for the game, and they were like, "We're going to be supporting Titanfall for years to come." Obviously, they have to say that to the shareholders to no. go. We're yeah. not abandoning this multi-million-dollar project. But if, no, if, if it's true, yeah. and yeah, I hope it can. They can rescue. Right, you're right. A free weekend would be a really good way of doing that because, mm. yeah, uh, I think people just need to play it and see what it is like and what how good it can feel and yeah. also it means a weekend where the people who've bought it will actually have people to play against yeah. which will be sweet I will say that criticism of EA about releasing it and Battlefield 1 so close together is fair like um, yeah. mm. Battlefield 1 apparently had like uh, 162,000 like peak players at launch which is amazing and like fact is that's just going to suck air out of the room no matter what like um, yeah. to, to convince yourself they're two different audiences I think it's mad like uh, people only have so much money yeah, it's I such think a crazy time of the year. problem is yeah. they should be two different audiences or they should be like, they, they are different enough that they mm. should they, they shouldn't be a problem like I, I will happily play either depending on what mood I'm in but that's not how people buy games no. necessarily like I, okay you think well I've got £50 to spend on this year's big shooter which one do I get and people shouldn't be put in that position yeah. if they've been released at opposite ends of the year people could say okay well I've got my fill out of Battlefield 1 let's dig into this interesting thing that I wasn't expecting to be as good as it was yeah and it's not just shooters they're up against on PC they're up against Civ they're up mm-hmm. against you know Dishonored 2 it's like it's 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 just not that straightforward at all. Um, they've released it in the cra- the busiest, craziest time of year, whereas nothing's coming out in February. No big game is coming out in February. If they'd have waited, it could have had such a different yeah. impact. It could have just come from nowhere. And yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. But um, uh, nonetheless, that campaign will remain good, even yeah. if the multiplayer. Yeah, it's a yeah. great game. It's hard to recommend because of all the reasons stated, which yeah. is a tricky, tricky position to put a game in. Really, that. Yeah, it's amazing, but maybe you shouldn't buy it. Mm. Yeah, I don't yeah. like. I, I mean, can you afford to throw fifty pounds on one of the best six hours of the year? Uh, <laughs> if you can, that's great, uh, yeah. and do absolutely. I mean, if you do need that kind of long tail extra life to a thing, um, it's a bit of a trickier proposition. Yeah. And it, I like. Uh, I know Chris is in a position apparently where he's not had a problem finding people or whatever and I imagine like given the way that he's sort of taken to that game he's quite high up in the rankings on the multiplayer yeah. anyway so he's probably more consistently being matched with people who know it uh, it's possible that Titanfall does become a thing that you can play consistently if you're prepared to be punched in the face for 10 hours while you kind of learn it and level up and stuff yeah hmm Notice how we didn't speak about the robots once. I actually, because <laughs> they're, they're not, they're not that. I'm just, I mean, that, that says it all really for me. They're not, 
that interesting. I had, a, I had a question actually. Sorry if you don't mind me asking. I was just wondering, like, what what did you actually think of the story itself? Is that something you just sort of ignore and just enjoy the levels? It's, or like, it's uh, really generic, sort of hawky military story, but told with a bit of charm and a mm. bit of personality. Namely, the the main robot BT, who's your like buddy, your robot pal, he's mm. got a really dry sense of humour. Well, um, he's, he, I mean, he's not even got a sense of humour. He is a robot. See, I think he knows. I, I don't. Think my theory is, I think, yeah, because it, it plays it as if like he <laughs> doesn't. What, what are what am emotions? Because I yeah. think he's just like I think he knows, and he, there's a layer to it where he's you, you, taking the piss. Your, your boy, your, your boy Jack video games <laughs> will just he will use a common idiom, and then yeah. humour arises from the robot's misunderstanding of that term. <laughs> I think that he knows. I, I think he knows though. I think there's. A, I think there's. I think, le- there's depth I think to you're it. picking that up from absolutely no. <laughs> You want him to know. Interesting. Uh, Sometimes he just lets slip that he doesn't understand the idiom in a, in a way that. I mean, you remember that bit in Guardians of the Galaxy where a man, someone would say something, and then the purple, red guy would go. Oh yeah, Drax. Yeah. I don't understand the context of language. Imagine that, but for six hours. Oh, okay. That was one of the funniest bits of Guardians, though. It's very generic, but kind of charming and personable. Yeah. Like it, I don't think it's, any, it's a story that anyone's going to come away going, oh, that was a bag of a shit I had to endure through, but yeah. it's not like... Oh, okay, well, yeah, that's still a better reaction than I could have hoped for from the big stompy robot game, really. Yeah. That's true. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, um, I was just going to say, like, I, I do find the robot combat side of it probably the least interesting. Yeah, it really the, is. The least enjoyable, like it's... It's fine. You just want to be back whenever you're. Whenever the campaign puts you in the robot, you just want to be out again. So you yeah, do wall running so you do and, wall stuff, and, yeah. and in multiplayer, like whenever it's like, oh, it's time for Titanfall, and you yeah. think, oh, I, I should get into the robot because <laughs> yeah. I'm technically more effective and it will help my team. But it'd be nice to sort of just jump out some buildings yeah. and some, shotgun people. Yeah, some of the this is just based on my E3 and Gamescom experience. But some of those uh, new abilities in multiplayer for the robots are, are quite cool. I thought some of the the sort of like. You know, super powery things where you do like the Iron Man laser chest yeah. thing, or yeah, they look amazing. It's like a missile barrage thing. It just every time you do it, it just feels incredible. They just the screen fills with a thousand missiles, but. Mm. Yeah. Also, again, I am still slowly unlocking my robot loadouts, whereas a lot of people have them. So as soon as you drop down, they're like, a robot? Fuck you. Yeah. Eat some laser. Okay, right. Well, uh, yeah, that doesn't sound fun. Um, well, okay. Well, in six months, who knows where it'll be? Like, it might just be... Yeah, just yeah there's be, yeah. hope. And again, like, um, so was it a Rainbow Six Siege is having a free weekend this weekend, I oh, think? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I want to dip into that because everyone has said it's really good. Yeah. But it's the sort of thing where, yeah, I think I need a free weekend to convince me to slap down a you play game it's also part, part, with that one particularly as well the dedicated player base is going to be so amazing at understanding how all those levels work yeah. it's going to be a nightmare however i wish you well on that weekend yeah, um, worth trying like i think with titanfall with, uh, with titanfall with siege with all these games like just track down some people to play these things with yes and yeah it's very wise actually yeah um and however however you go about that these days hmm Okay, cool. So moving on then, uh, another big release that's actually out today as we're uh, recording this is Dishonored 2. Mm. Uh, four years in the making from Arcane, a uh, stealth game that picks up the immersive sim kind of, uh, oh god, where is this going? He's just some words. It's Friday afternoon, I do apologise. <laughs> you know what Dishonored 2 is, right? There's like this yeah. Corvo, there's Emily, they're going to Karnaka this time, it's like... Uh, Sneaking and yeah. uh, 
killing and magic powers. Either or, sneaking and or killing. That emo magic dude who gives you the stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or black eyed Ted. Shadow Rats. tentacles. Yeah. Um, it is an immersive sim, as mm. they yes. say, and some commenters contest. Um, <laughs> Phil, how has your experience with Dishonored 2 been so far? Uh, my experience with the immersive sim Dishonored 2 uh, is it's been very immersive and simmy. Okay. Um, no, it's, um, it's a really good Dishonored game that they've made. Uh, it feels a lot like it. It just feel it's very comfortable to slip back into. Like if you've played Dishonored, um, you know sort of the the feeling of movement through that, and it is some of the best immersive sim movement around. Like uh, the thing to compare it to is like how Deus Ex uh, Mankind Divided operates, and how it even tried to copy some of Dishonored's powers with the. Icarus what, dash. What, yeah, Icarus dash, yeah. Being like just a sort of clunky feeling version of Blink. Yeah. Blink is such a natural, uh, it becomes second nature so quickly to just zip around a level using that. Um, what about Emily's equivalent of uh, Blink? Uh, it's called Far Reach and it is functionally identical. Um, you hold down the mouse button, she projects a little tentacle shadow that you can place, you know, it does all of those things, and then it kind of pulls her towards the location. Can you be seen and while doing it? I th- um, yeah. Yes, you can. I think well, you have... instant. Si- yeah. yeah, I think you have a physical presence while you're doing <clears throat> it, um, but, like, 95% of the time that makes no difference because, like, detection-wise, they people don't tend to see you as you're doing it or they might like go there's a thing over there but then then you're gone um i guess it's the the difference is in the way you can upgrade it because it's a big grabby tentacle so you can as you uh, use your runes to level up you can use it to pull items towards you and eventually pull enemies towards you um which i'm looking forward to you know being able to get into a big fight and grab an enemy and then stab him up midair and all, all of that fun that does sound pretty cool fun jazz um have you uh how how many hours have you played so far then, Phil? uh six or seven basically um you which the, sorry no please carry on uh it equates to about so i've played it for longer than i played titanfall 2's campaign and have only done three missions so far wow. because they are big huge levels full of stuff to do have you done um, the clockwork mansion yet no i haven't wow, okay. uh that's I'm interested by that. Everyone keeps talking about that. Yeah, I saw someone retweet uh, something earlier, someone, where someone said that they spent two hours just walking around it and uh, yeah. reading stuff and uncovering bits of it. And it they still hadn't seen all of it. Yes. Yeah. Well, when I interviewed um, Harvey Smith about the Lady Boyle mission, he said that people were responding to the fact that there was a chunk of city streets, and then there was the house with the mission in it, mm. and so there's tons more of that. And this, where there's tons of optional. I mean, it took me four hours to do the first mission in Dishonored 2 because there's like tons of optional houses to go into and balconies to climb up to and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's got so much more of that. Often, like, a, like the getting to the place where you need to eliminate your target is a mission in itself now. So the second mission is yeah. just on the docks of Kanaka. Um, and yeah, your only objective is to get to the thing that will take you to the like island asylum where the person you need to kill is. Okay. So you don't. You, there's nobody to assassinate in mission two. It is just this yeah. is the city bit, and this is yeah. where you basically just get to explore. You know, there's a neutral zone where you can just wander mm-hmm. about, and no one will attack you. And yeah, then you like move a black into market shop and like a back alley with a side mission in it. There's a blocked off house. There's a infested house that you can go in, and it's ridiculous, like almost perverse amount of detail yeah. and stuff to do. It's there must and, just, the amount of work that's going into the game is clear. It's like 
crazy detailed. Those seat hubs then they're just so much more detailed and bigger. Or is that, is that the the high, yeah, the bigger and higher as well. There's tons mm. of. I mean, I upgraded my blink almost immediately to the maximum of like the first stage where it make, lets you blink further mm. because there's tons of like oh, yeah. stuff up above you. And some buildings will have like mm. four or five levels on top. You know, four yeah. or five floors to. Jeez. Work up yeah, and yeah, and, and you'll find stuff in them that like little stories and notes and like it, there's some great environmental story storytelling where you you read a bunch of you'll find an old ab- abandoned apartment and like you read a bunch of notes and come out having been told a story about who lived there or what happened there. Mm. It's, it's and so also rich. some money. Yep, I do money, very oil, much enjoy opening deals. a thing and stealing stuff. The picking, even the picking up uh, sound and the way it shoots towards you is satisfying. It's that thing of thief yeah. where you press it and it goes... Yeah, that is, it's, yeah. it's very thief and that's yeah. just very gratifying because yeah. it turns out, yeah, I like rooting through people's cupboards. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's what gets me off. So in terms of how, um, just so I've got an idea of this, is it, is it structured like the first one in terms of you have like a home base-ish area or like um, is there kind of more of a city hub this time that breaks off into different bits how does that how is it kind of structured mission to mission i don't actually know i assume it's going to be based around the ship that you board to get to kanaka uh because like if you're playing as either emily or at the start of the game you're in dunwall that's like the first mission and you've been deposed from the throne these are just like things that happen in the first scene um you've either been deposed by from your the throne or your daughter has been deposed by them from the throne depending on who, who you're playing right. uh, and By then the big bad yeah you yeah. flee flee Dunwall to go find out <clears throat> where the threat rose from basically so you get like a brief snapshot of Dunwall in the yeah. new id tech then yeah well you see I mean yeah like I said I spent like four hours in Dunwall it's oh, like right. a whole chunk of street um, you don't have to spend that much time um, no you could just peg it to yeah. the boat but it's like a whole you know significant level and it's quite cool seeing you know done well mm. and it's slightly more fidelity but um yeah wow, you're, you're, once you get to kanaka the mood totally changes it's really even all the technology in Dunwall was like sokolov's technology his audio graphs and his typewriters and stuff and as soon as you get to kanaka all the technology's got like uh jindosh's name who's like the inventor of all the technology in kanaka so that is even that much they've even like you know all new technology when you're in a new country yeah like, like yeah you can see the progression as well like so um whale oil is what powered everything in dishonored and uh you so you find out like through if you're reading the books or whatever that there's been a shortage of whale oil yeah. like the prices are rising or whatever and so in um kanaki you start to see windmills and they've yeah. got windmill tech trying to power their electric stuff. Yeah. They've done a great job of making it feel like a new exotic country, and even mm. just the the lighting's different. It's yeah. sunny and golden, and whereas Dunwall was the greyest, dingiest place. Yeah, it's sunny before. and golden, but it's still got it's that still, sort yeah. of dishonoured grime. Like yeah. the one of the, you walk <clears throat> off the um, you walk off like the boat, and you see these like shark monsters that have been gutted in the street, and there's yeah. just a river of blood. As it's it's like a very sort of utilitarian. Oh, this is a functional place where workmen are doing a thing yeah. specifically. Right. Okay. And if you um, at this lunchtime, I, I I played that bit in the docks, and I didn't achieve anything because I was just going around with the heart. Um, which is this you know, device that you'll remember if you played the first game that reveals secrets and stuff. And if you point it at an NPC, it tells you <clears throat> a story about them, about their backstory. And I, I figured out by doing that that they're not randomly generated. They've been assigned to every NPC because the story will often relate to something they said to you or something they're doing. Holy so there was crap, like a guy, that's so much detail. Yeah, there's a guy I met at a, a bar, uh, uh, you know, it's like in a sort of shantytown type bar by the docks, and he was talking about, oh, he's talking about his kids. And then I used the heart on him, and it was like, you know, he beats his kids uh, 
every night, just like his mother used to beat him. And he just added that layer. It turned a, a, a bit of set dressing NPC into some a person with an interesting story. Yeah. Yeah. And the, like, there's a homeless guy as well that you can give some money and he'll tell you a hint about how to do your objective. And I talked to him for ages and he was, I felt quite sympathetic with him. And I used the heart and it was like, oh, he, he spat at a, a Tivian woman who gave him money because he's like, he's a mad racist. Wow. So it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Like everyone's horrible. Like ninety percent of people have oh got, god, like, yeah, a terrible secret. Like some of them are nice, but and I like that when you use the heart as well. Like if you've already heard the secrets, you'll go, "I've already revealed that secret." So you don't do that thing of like repeating it lots yeah. of times. Wow. You don't. You don't have to do any of this. But it'd be a shame if you didn't because it's so, yeah, so well done. Yeah, so writing of a very high quality. Then again, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah and the notes are all good. Most, and, yeah. Really detailed, yeah, just uh, good enough that it absorbs you into the world properly, and that's sort of what you want from this, is yeah. just to be kind of enriched by this fiction. Yeah. There's a great series, There's in the sort of Dishonored lore, there's a massive continent that's like months away from where the game's set called Pandesia, and it's like this big, in this universe, it's a totally unknown, it's like Valeria or something, and... Uh, Game of Thrones is like an unknown jungly mass where no one goes and there's a great series of diaries you can find written by Sokolov from the first game who went there mm. and they're just <clears throat> this, I, I was like um, scouring the ship to try and find all the parts of it because it was such a good story like even little incidental diaries and stuff are really richly painted and yeah it's, it's incredible amount of the world building is like totally next level stuff really amazing wow yeah <clears throat> mm, it's, it's just not many games like this around anymore right like, it's just mm. I, I don't know like no one's making bioshocks now like it's just i don't know if you if you like that kind of immersive simi really detailed uh yeah weird fictional environments and you know such detailed ways to play in in different ways than like it. it's just nothing else like it anymore right and it does remind me of bioshock in the sense that this place has its own cultures and customs and the game teaches you it. like so when you get to rapture you learn about how people live there and how the government operates and you you get a picture of it being a, another you know a place with mm. a history and a functioning history and this is the same where i feel like i'm mm. learning so much stuff about the politics and weird Customs and religions and stuff in in that it's, country. And yeah, it's really, that's another yet it's another a, layer of world building. Yeah, there's a sort of lineage that does go back to things like um, a thief specifically, which had all of the like different factions and the way that they interacted and mm. yeah, just well, good story. But, but let's talk about the uh, poorly optimized elephant in the room. Okay, <laughs> actually, actually, I do have one more question for Phil Ooh. before oh. we um, before we do talk that. about Sorry. that elephant. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I wanted you to kind of relay the story you told in your review in progress okay, introduction yeah. because I thought that was quite a really a really nice uh, sort of like you know it sort of bottles quite nicely what the detail of the, mm, the world. Yeah, is yeah, like. it's sort of like a really small thing, but I ended up playing the um, introduction twice because the first time I stabbed a load of people because I was testing performance. Um, and that was very clearly non-canon, so I had to go back and do it again. And um, so uh, the first thing that happens is uh, enemy uh, Emily is captured and sort of locked away in a room and that, and you have to uh, assassinate or disable one of the um, one of the traitors in your midst. Um, and the first time I killed him and just went off and you get out of the castle and um, one of the one of the guards one of the guards who's been sort of who's turned traitor on you uh, announces to his men that uh, Ramsay the captain of the guards has been killed and Emily's escaped um, you know that's that is what happened there and then the, but the second time I did it 
I do the same thing. I kill Ramsey. Um, but instead of just leaving him around uh, where anyone can discover him, I actually take his body into Emily's kind of secret passageway that she has the only ring, like she's got a sort of key on her ring that is the only way you can get into there. So there would be no way for any other NPC or person to get into that room. And I just dump him in there to see what happens. And the captain, the guy comes out again and answers to his men, um, Emily's escaped, Ramsey's missing, because they don't know what happened to him. Yeah. Like the game does more than just check. Oh, you killed him, so we do this voice yeah. dialogue. It's we've killed him, and the body has been placed in a place where nobody could actually discover that he was killed. So they've got a specific bit of dialogue to yeah. relate to that information. Like they, they're trying. You know, it's. I'm just really impressed that they managed to keep the sort of the internal story logic consistent based mm. on what you did. Mm. Yeah, that stuff's really good. The the um, reactivity was great and dishonored but there's way more of it here where there's uh, they do that great thing that can remind arcane remind me a bit of um metal gear sword in the sense that they think about every daft thing a player might do mm. and have an answer for it have a reaction to it or a reward whether it's just a line of dialogue mm. and I, that's a mark of like smart game design to me where they think about everything a player could possibly do and and sort of reward you for it in a small way. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah, that's a, a very good analogy. Thinking yes. about the camera and Metal Gear Solid 2. I may um, be able to talk more about that in a month, okay. saying no more. Okay, interesting. Um, okay, so uh, if we could then talk about the shitty port. Yeah, uh, the big elephant. Port, um, ah. yeah. It's not, a, it's not <clears throat> a shitty port. It's just there's been some technical issues. Yeah. With, uh, yeah, we don't, they're, they're, working on a, they're working on a fix right now for certain issues. Um, there's problems with like it running in low priority mode on CPUs automatically. It seems that's like that. one of the bigger problems. Is yeah, yeah just just getting the CPU to actually give yeah. the game priority there is what of, you need to do. Yeah, you can run scripts and stuff to that people have made to sort of force it to run in normal priority or whatever. Let's not get bogged yeah, down. Yeah, like, that's pretty yeah. simple to do, I think. Uh, yeah. From what I, I've done that, yeah. I had to do that before, but it's yeah. pretty. It's fine. There's, isn't it? there's some issue. Like it really doesn't run that great on my home PC which is a GTX 970 an i5 6600K overclocked to 4.5 gigahertz and 16 giga RAM which is like a pretty it's a, yeah. it's a very reasonable ask that it should run well yeah. on that I can play you know, Battlefield 1 and Titanfall 2 three months, like, frame rates yeah, three yeah, months I mean, ago yeah. that was the best mid range I think you sort yeah. of have to accept that okay sometimes you might have to run it on like high or very a mix of high and very high depending on because sometimes developers just target Ultra is literally the highest NPC yeah. because they know it means that in five years' time, mm. when you when all the technology is caught up, it will mm. be still look pretty good at its yeah. best settings. But I mean, it speaks volumes for the games that I'm willing. The game I'm willing to just keep playing it, even if. But when in the outdoor areas like in the Karnaka docks, we've spoken about, um, it feels quite jerky because the frame rate sort of lingers around like 45. 42 and then you go indoors and suddenly it will shoot up to 60 it's got Ooh, that kind of yeah. it's the that inconsistency, inconsistency that yeah. hurts it yeah yeah the frame pacing seems off and the, people I mean there's a whole uh, multi-page gaff thread with people trying to diagnose what's wrong with it and it's quite interesting that people might have found a few things that I'm sure Arcane are looking at now um, I, I really hope they fix it because I, I, I mean part of Dishonored is just it feels so beautiful the movement and uh, the character movement is such a big part of it that to have that jerkiness there's a few fixes like you can disable mouse smoothing and a config file and that helps and but it's, it's, i'd rather just have a patch that just makes it work instead of having to run all these 
yeah. stupid little fixes. I, and I think they'll patch it. They're pretty, <clears throat> yeah, of course uh, they will. I think, right. I think Harvey Smith even said in response to someone it's something we're looking at now. They're, they're like, investigating it. Yeah, so I, I, I don't think it will remain a problem for long. Yeah. Um, it's a shame, but like... Uh, they did... I mean, Bethesda did kind of post a fairly patronising FAQ yeah, that wasn't about well. <laughs> uh, launch issues FAQ <clears throat> where they didn't actually say, oh, we're aware of some issues and we are going to be investigating and, you know, patching it. What they said was... Make sure you've got recommended settings, almost to say like. Oh, I read that. Yeah, yeah. Almost say like, oh well, yeah. it's not our fault. Your computer's shit, and it's like. Yeah, I think yeah. that's it's, it's undeniably badly optimized in some way because people with GTX 1080s and i7s, Skylake i7s are having frame rate problems. Uh, it just has that feel of the game. That yeah, it's one of those on things where there is no consistency to people who have problems you know like i'm yeah. not having any problems at home mm. my work pc did have some significant problems people with a similar setup to my work pc have yeah. not had problems and it's like <clears throat> it would be fine if you could say look if you have this setup if you have this configuration this is what will definitely yeah. happen but that's not how pcs work no. sometimes they're just it's yeah. run, but it is. It's running on PS4 and Xbox One, and like you know, those are those mm. are modest. Specs. But at what cost? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I, know I what watched the frame playing it on, on PS3. Them. Yeah, I saw Four. some footage of it running on PS4 Pro, and it, it looked. I was annoyed by how the the frame pacing was just. It was it looked steady. Mm. Mm, interesting. Uh, hopefully, it's something they'll address because <clears> yeah. it sounds like the game is, it, is well on its way to being a game of the year contender. Yeah, it's an incredible game, but sadly blighted a little by this. Because yeah. um, I, I st- I'm still going to power through those 40 fps sections but i just i just know what it could be yeah i mean yeah yeah if 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 you're talking about a, a genre that refers to itself as immersive sim yeah. uh, what is less immersive than every now and again the entire world dips speed yeah to- mm, annoying uh, that's, a, that's a shame but like um, uh, did you have something to add, Phil? Yeah, I actually want to sort of dial back a bit because you've been going through as Corvo, right, Andy? Yeah. How's that? How's Have they changed his powers in any way or is it just the same setup? From- yeah, it's. I mean, now there's multi sort of um, there's additional upgrades to his stuff, I think. Mm. Um, but obviously, I've only upgraded Blink to the first Blink Further upgrade. But um, the reason I went Corvo is because I just wanted possession. And Emily doesn't have that, and that lets you possess rats and fish and people eventually. And they just thought that's that's too much fun to give up. But then, like Emily's uh, doppelganger thing, I, I wish I had that. That's yeah, so much fun. Like, pretty cool. Create a sort of distracting double of yourself. But um, yeah, he just he feels the same. And like the voice actor is brilliant. Um, I, I don't I don't have the thief nostalgia that a lot of people have, but mm. it's the guy who voiced Garrett and Thief, and he does a brilliant job. He's got a really brilliant weary delivery because he you know, Corvo is a sad beardy man now because he's gone through a lot of. A lot of tough shit. So, things. so I'm quite enjoying playing as him, but I'm, as soon as I finish it, I'll be going through it again as Emily, I think. It's some testament to uh, Stephen Russell, is that the actor's name? Yeah. Who, the, um, like, I know voice acting in the late noughties, uh, late noughties, late 90s, early noughties was still a bit shit. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that the, uh, the same actor can play a similar role some years later and it be a good performance yeah. is a, a testament to the <clears> fact that those games were ahead of the, ahead of the curve yeah. at the time, you know? Um, Cool. All right. Well, I look forward to playing it then. I think I'm going to have to do Emily the first time, but I don't know. I, I'm also actually thinking I've still not played the Knife of Dunwall, so I might, yeah, I might it's do probably that worth this weekend. Doing yeah. that uh, while they fix the game, that might be a good thing to do. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, all right then. So moving on to our last game we're going to discuss today, because none of us have played Tyranny yet, which we thought mm. we were going to, but I don't know. It's 
big time investment, isn't it? And there's no time. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about Hitman, which has finally ended. Um, Phil Savage has reviewed every episode of Hitman for PCGamer.com, and it's slowly driven him mad. Yeah. It's, I'd say it's one of the worst <laughs> bits of management I've done, is, is getting Phil to do this. Oh, and um, Yeah, so Phil, you are now at the other end of it. Yeah. How do you feel about Hitman? How do you feel about how the season has gone? What were your kind of highlights and lowlights of the... Um, so yeah, I think it's they've they've made a very good Hitman game that is uh, it's better than Blood Money in some ways and probably not quite as good in others. But I mean, overall, if if you're a fan of the old Hitman games, it is very much in your wheelhouse. And it's been nice with this episodic release structure to see how they have kind of responded and um, adapted to the audience's perception over time. So, like, the big thing, like, everybody loved Sapienza. That was the first sort of... I think that was the first moment when everyone said, oh, no, this is actually a great Hitman game. And, you know, all the umming and ahhing about Paris and their specific style they went with there kind of fell away to just, no, this is great. Um, And that was because, you know, it was a large winding city just full of things to discover and potential ways to manipulate the actors within it uh which is kind of the hitman fantasy that you want and then they kind of it seemed like they tried to recapture that two or three more times in varying ways um each with maybe their own kind of little story twist or flavor of contrast like the idea of um, Marrakesh being during these uh, protests that are happening but also being sort of one of the targets being in a Swedish consulate building where you go inside and everything is very much Sweden it's minimalism it's like Ikea furniture and that it's not it's not what you think of when you think of Marrakesh and you know that was just just little twists like that thematically and in the sort of story and design but I don't think it's been until like these last couple of episodes Colorado and Hokkaido is the latest one where they've actually really pushed on kind of experimenting with the with the actual with what a hitman level is uh, to any significant degree and that's that's kind of what I like. That's specifically what they did because I asked them. Uh, we've got a making of Sapienza feature in the next issue mm, of the yeah. magazine, and they specifically said like the success of that and the feedback of that level really kind of gave us the confidence to push further and try some other things. And um, Colorado was quite interesting in that it's completely a hostile zone, which isn't really the kind of setup for Hitman level that I've ever enjoyed much. Like that was very much Hitman two silent assassins kind of thing was you'd be in like a military checkpoint in Russia. And if anyone saw you, they'd try and kill you because you shouldn't be there. Oh, I was about 90 levels in that checkpoint. In yeah. yeah. And, um, and the, like the thing that like blood money really got right was having an area where 47 didn't need a disguise. He could just be a person, an anonymous person in the street that nobody would have looked twice at. Um, and just use that as a basis to planning things out. Although um, if I saw a, a six foot seven old guy with a t- barcode in his head, I'd probably go, "He looks a bit weird." You go, "He looks weird," <laughs> but you wouldn't necessarily run to the police and go, "That man is a killer." No. <laughs> yeah, and if you did, you'd come back and see, uh, you know, like uh, a waiter, who's six foot seven, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> carrying yeah. a tray like, with a barcode on his head. <laughs> Oh, he doesn't seem to be here anymore. Uh, <laughs> oh well. Um, so, what is it about Hokkaido that's been so good? Because didn't you rate this higher than Sapienza? No, I rated it the same as Sapienza. Oh, right, okay. um, but you sounded like but, you were. We thought it was a better level. Maybe I think, on some um, level. On some level, yeah. Like the thing. 
So, Nkara was great, but it, it was sort of a refreshing change, and that was kind of nice. Hokkaido does something like genuinely quite new in the. It's all based around this AI system. You're, you're sort of in this high-tech hospital, and an AI system is running the facility. Um, and it does so by uh, all of your disguises have an RFID chip in them that it can... Re it's like... You remember the, how the pass keys worked in Metal Gear Solid 1? Oh, yeah. It's basically that, all but right. based on clothes. <laughs> um, wow. So you don't need the key card to open a thing. It just yeah. says, oh, you've got those clothes on, so you yeah. are a security guard, so you can come through this door. And there's a symbol on... All, I, I love this detail. That the, mm. it's Beside locked doors, there's a little plaque with symbols on it, and you realise that the symbols on the back of each costume represents what can open that door so you know that's I thought that was a really cool visual yeah wow. you don't have to use it necessarily but it's a nice but it's sort of yeah just yeah. a nice detail yeah, that's, yeah. That's, it's interesting and, that that's something that you find you know kind of like engaging on some level because that is a really old idea at this point you know the whole that door that door system in metal gear is like ancient yeah. the fact okay. it's on clothes now like what what's the difference in terms of well, execution the difference in terms of execution is hitman is always about what clothes you're wearing and how that lets you blend into an area mm -hmm. but now it specifically ties that into what part of the level you can access like it takes it's two kind of the two halves of the, the hitman experience and kind of melds them together in a really sort of interesting layout puzzle mm -hmm. because the, the social aspect then becomes part of the layout puzzle you can't pick locks because the doors are all robotic so the Whereas previously you could maybe pick your a lock and get into a room. Now you actually need that costume or drag a body. Yeah, oh, right. Okay. To the door that has the costume on. Or there are, you know, there are sort of ways around it. Like you can do like the suit only silent assassin run where you kill everyone without being seen and never change costume. Like, you can follow a character. Say you follow a security guard and he walks near the security room you want to get in. Obviously the door opens and he walks into it so you can sneak in behind him. Is, so, is there enough time to just sort of, yeah. just enough time to get through? Is yeah, that I did yeah. that and I got snuck into the security room but just by following a guy and like slipping in behind him as he walked through the door. So that that's, there's layers to it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's uh, like cool. a, a really sophisticated <clears throat> sort of, um, all Hitman games are essentially like a layout puzzle. They're, you know, trying to find your way through this sort of maze and to change all the little bits around so that a person is dead. And that's... <laughs> yeah. That does sound pretty cool, actually. Uh, and like, I mean, I think if everything was that, it would get a bit stale, but as sort of a one-shot kind of, let's try what happens if we do this and we sort of take our pieces and arrange them in this way, it it's just a very kind of interesting thing. Also, thematically, it's just like a really interesting space, this sort of high-tech kind yeah. of... Uh, the, the contrast between, like, you're in these luscious mountains ranges and you're in this kind of quite cold and clinical yeah, but space. But it's like a nice sort of spa area. But yeah. It's, yeah. Got, it's got all different sort of themes. Like as soon as you get into the medical bit, it's so clinical and cold and then you get to the spa and it's all people in their pants having a lovely bubble bath <laughs> look, looking at mountains. Yeah. And yeah. It's it, like I, I Interactive have always been incredible at world design and some of the stuff in this is just really amazing like you can they do stuff where like you look at a room that there's each there's different other patients at this hospital and by looking at their in their rooms you could they tell stories about them like there's the guy who's in for a lung transplant and like there's evidence everywhere that he's been smoking like while he's been in his room mm. so it's like just that little detail, like, and he's like, he's sort of an asshole with a big cowboy hat, and you're like, I, I, I've been told a story that yeah, about he this gets, guy. Like, have you ever followed him around? Much? Yeah, because he gets drunk and then just wanders <laughs> yeah. up to every security guard and goes, "I'm American, 
freedom <laughs> and it demands to be let through he did no locks you've got to let me yeah. through I've I'd, got rights I had fun choking that guy yeah still oh. in his hat <laughs> uh, so if I was to hazard a guess from how the kind of arc of this season has gone this, it ends on this with the, this fairly new idea novel idea mm. um, and, and a few twists do you think that maybe they were deliberately trying to recapture the basics of what Hitman uh, the old Hitman was and then the next season might episode by episode draft in new elements like what do you think? I think and um, this is based partly on what they've told me um, is that season one was probably about proving to the world and to an extent themselves that they could still do Hitman and they could do Hitman in the style that people who aren't Andy like because I know Andy liked Hitman Absolution. <laughs> you didn't look him in the eye when you said that. <laughs> you I didn't yeah. need oh, to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. <laughs> nah. I like it for what it is, but I think it's a terrible Hitman game. Okay. Whereas this is... Yeah, no. I, I, my favourite Hitman game. Your, um, your reinstall was much more nuanced than I like to make out for comedy purposes. <laughs> As you often do. Yeah. Anytime you get the chance. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. No, I think it was uh, them trying to say, look, we can make Hitman levels again. Because... They like they didn't help themselves by having to make something that had like the density and um, even crowd sizes bigger than Absolution, which technically was quite impressive at the time, anyway. Mm. Um, but in levels that were at least as or more, you know, or larger than what you got in Blood Money, trying to bring those sort of two quite separate design ideas together into something that was still cohesive is quite a challenge. Yeah, and I think. As they've gone on, they've realised, okay, we're getting pretty competent at this. We we clearly proven to you know everyone that we can do it. Now let's see what we can, how we can push this. Uh, yeah, it would be great if episode of season two sort of started and it was immediately just like, well, you know, maybe you, maybe you alternate it. You've got one that's got like this really sort of interesting central idea around it, and then you do a <coughs> traditional level after that just to, in an amazing luscious environment. Yeah, exactly. Just so because because you know. A, wanton experimentation is great and all but people are enjoying hitman because it is just a solid good hitman from you know a lot of its running time well it sounds like it's been a, a big success then mm. uh, Andy, is there anything you uh, you'd like to add from your experience of playing yeah. the first season yeah well i recently replayed it all in order and it sort of works as a you know a linear experience like that but yeah i think it's i was up and down when the episodes were coming out but i'd say it was my game of the year now wow um, i've not obviously i've not played enough of dishonored 2 I mean, I get the feeling that might just mm. creep past it, but I think it is in, uh, every level in it I enjoyed. There's some weaker ones that I thought Mar- I didn't like uh, Marrakesh as much, but yeah, I think it's just a, it's got that quality of of a games I love, where it's just you know it's got that immersive semi quality of here's a big detailed environment, lots of things happening in it, lots of systems to play with, lots of things to manipulate, and it's just yeah. Every time I play a level in Hitman, I feel like I'm having a you know, a very different experience. Mm. Yeah, I think it's it's one one of the best games of the year. I Great. Think. Great, yeah. Uh be interesting to see if it gets anything in our end of year awards which are coming up. But uh yeah. good stuff. Yeah. I will I'll try and play endeavour to play through the remaining levels uh this weekend. Uh should be good. Should we move on to some questions from the readers? Yeah we could do some questions. Mm, we got some questions because we thought it's been three weeks. We it's should do some time. questions. Yeah, sorry about that. Um a couple of those questions are specifically about um what our 
game of the year is and we'll probably hold off on those just because we're still deciding what PC gamers game of the year at large is yeah, at the it's moment. Yeah, conversation and, we're having next week. but uh, uh, Inevitably, when that issue comes out, we'll do a podcast around it just to say, just to go into it a bit. I would think so, yeah. That'll be the 300th issue as well. So, yeah. yeah. Um, go on then, Phil. Give me Hit me with a question. But we'll, come, we'll come at it from a slightly oblique angle. Was, um, Murray Lane asking, has 2016 been a good year for PC gaming? Uh, PC gaming specifically there, so you can take that however you want. Interesting. What do you think, Andy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's been a it's been a, a bad year in other respects, but in terms of games, it's been pretty damn good. I don't know what you're talking about. It's been a great no. year, isn't it? Cracking yeah. year. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, I mean, like, some you know, there's been some. See this to to say why would be discussing my games of the year, which we're not going to do. So, mm. so yeah. There has been a lot of good games. Yeah, we were just sort of like cataloging the potential <clears throat> candidates, and like he, the start of the year had like XCOM two, and yeah. you've we had, had stuff you've like had, Abzu, and yeah, yeah, you've had two for access games this year that are both game of the year contenders. Like that's <laughs> yeah. that's the quality of year it's been. Yeah, um, I thought last year was really good too. But yeah, you, yeah. you like having spoken to you in previous months about this, you've always seemed a <laughs> bit more down on the year than I, I. I think it's because it's been a year of games that I don't personally get that. Much much so okay. like um for example like i don't really play multiplayer shooters so overwatch battlefield yeah. one the likes of those don't mean a whole lot to me really and overwatch was such a big deal for people uh, i do want to <clears> play <throat> stellaris but i've not really set time aside for it and i don't know like uh dark souls i don't play either and dark mm. souls 3 will yeah. no doubt be a contender it's I, the first docs that, that's the, the first dark souls that i managed to endure with and finish mm. so in that just yeah, impressive in, you know? in that sense it's one of my yeah, one of the best games of the year, I reckon. But yeah. it's like a weird, and it's quite play it safe though, and that it's a kind of, as many people said, a bit of a Dark Souls greatest hits. A lot of long time fans are like, yeah, I didn't really do anything that new or interesting. So to me, it's more probably better because yeah. it's my first one. Mm. You know, also, so. the fact that we didn't have Bloodborne on PC, which <laughs> yeah, everyone yeah. insists is his masterpiece. There was stuff like uh, Firewatch this year, which was great, and that mm. that's just been updated with a bunch of new modes, actually, like an interactive directors commentary but instead of just activating nodes you go on a scavenger hunt and have to find the, the commentary nodes using your map and compass that's like a whole other it's game yeah it sounds brilliant and I, there's a free roam mode as well where it's got a day night cycle and you can just wander about the woods with no no, no objectives so that's and no that's cool. and no delilah either yeah. yeah okay that's actually a bit of a relief you could just do a voice yourself and have sexy conversations <laughs> as you walk around the woods or just have yeah maybe me and you yeah, can skype would... andy while we're doing it <laughs> yeah that wouldn't be psychotic <laughs> at all Okay, uh, so yeah, Phil. I mean, I I don't. I do, in no way do I think it's been a bad year. I just uh, also I should have set aside to play uh, set aside time to play XCOM, but didn't. But I never played Enemy Within and wanted to do that first. So I don't that's know. a lot of commitment there. It <laughs> is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I if you broaden out the question a bit, I guess you could ask like, has twenty sixteen been a good year for PC gaming in terms of like the ports that have come over to PC that have been announced? You know, things that we finally mm. got on hand from consoles, or you know, in terms of the performance of things like Dishonored two. That haven't yeah. necessarily been. There's been a few high profile. I mean, like Mafia Three was a technical mess, I think, in a lot of ways, and also not a great game. That's, but um, I don't think there's been. Yeah, I mean, like Titanfall Two and Battlefield One, to their credit, both ran beautifully. For yeah, them. Like, I think. No yeah, much I problems think at all in either of those. There were a few <laughs> CPU issues with Battlefield yeah, One that some people, people had still been, yeah. been saying. What, what yeah. else came out this year that people were a bit funny about the performance of? Forza Horizon 3. Yeah. Yes. Which actually right. ran all right for me. Yeah, same. It was one of those kind of 
annoying moments where the sort of backlash after I'd done the review kind of took me by surprise and it was because like for some people it just it wasn't up to standard yeah. and I think they have now patched that back into kind of ah, Quantum Break on the same note as well oh god yeah god, I Microsoft had a bad year didn't <clears throat> they in terms of yeah. I mean, it should have it could have been a really good thing for them in you know how they brought a bunch of Xbox One games to PC. I'm hearing in Gears though is a great. Port. Gears is apparently good. People are angry at Gears for not having split screen co op on PC. All right, that's, that's who's going to set at the PC. You know, I guess not. People playing the TVs now, though, don't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair criticism. It's weird that they didn't have that in there. Hmm. It's weird. Yeah. I don't know what the situation is. It it might be like a performance thing again, where it's just a case of we can do the sort of solo single player stuff really well. But so well, selling I it guess, for the same amount, so I think it's I think it's fair to yeah. have that back. Did, um, did VR happen this year? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sort of. It still got a ridiculous money related barrier of entry and so yeah. it's not really taken off it's the vr revolution is taking place mostly in sort of moneyed nerds bedrooms or, or it's with, not really or seemingly on playstation a bit as well yeah yeah oh, of course it is, actually yeah, it is yeah. much cheaper that like yeah and you just plug it in and it works whereas it's not really has that no, yeah. do we know how well that's done on for playstation because i know everyone's like i just judge it in terms of what gets coverage and ps vr is still getting media coverage but that might yeah. be in the same way we were giving a lot of coverage to vive and exactly, oculus yeah. stuff before and we realized that there was no traffic in it <laughs> yeah, because exactly. nobody owned these things no one read yeah. those reviews <clears throat> yeah. whatsoever of those games, they yeah. just—it's just—it's just a long way off uh, becoming. At least, but the big, uh, big strides for me this year in terms of like uh, graphics uh, card, you know, like every the 1060, for example, you can—that's <clears throat> you can run a VR headset with a 1060. Yeah. So the lowest entry yeah. graphics cards will now run VR. That's a, that's a big that change a good from start, the last yeah. generation. So probably about three or four years from now, you'll start to see what VR actually looks like. Mm. And the 10 series cards themselves, I mean, I've been getting, I mean, we give the 1060 like 95% in mm. a review. Like it's been good in that sense. We've had a range of new Nvidia cards and a really broad range of price prices as well. Yeah. Same like, for AMD you can almost well. afford a good, uh, a good graphics card. Like yeah. that's unheard of yeah. last year. AMD yeah. has some really, uh, like we think we really highly rated some of their lower end graphics cards as well. So yeah. good year for PC tech, yeah, so, I guess. Yeah, good like competitive prices and a good range of, because it's like the 1050, 1060, 1070, and 1080. All, no, all like, out very close yeah. together as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah really a very good range. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm still I'm still on the fence about upgrading. I'm still on the seven series of Nvidia cards, but I'm still thinking if I wait a year or two years, like I upgraded from a 970 Sam seven series is well. Yeah, I suppose my 970 starting to feel a bit CPU, long in the though. tooth. I got the same. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I spent 300 quid on it last year, suddenly it's like. Eh. I suppose I am editor a PC gamer and I can justify it. So, maybe, uh, yeah. maybe you deserve nice things. <laughs> Who knows? Um, okay then. So uh, what's uh, what about you, Phil? What do you think of the year? Uh, I I uh, yeah. Looking back, I really enjoyed uh, a lot of stuff that happened this year. Um, yeah. I don't like. I think it's been reflected. Uh, what I will say about our game of the year process at the moment is. I don't think there's been anything that was quite... Uh, there were maybe two or three games that were definite. Uh, one of these will be Game of the Year last year. I think it was like... There were a lot More of good games. Hmm? More than Metal Gear? No, I think... Um, oh, you in, mean it would have been a short I think list. in terms of... Okay, if you're picking what is the Game of the Year of 2015, it would have either been The Witcher 3 or Metal Gear. Right. And maybe, maybe there was something else. There were a lot of good games. There was Rocket League and stuff like that. But I think in terms of proper Game of the Year contenders, it was pretty... I don't think there's been that to the same extent this year. I think it's a bit broader, a bit more open, a bit sort of based on personal preference. 
We had like, yeah. you just said the Witcher that reminded me we had Blood and Wine, which is Blood like, and Wine was this year as well. Yeah, sta- if that was a standalone game, like I'd be happy with that purchase. Like, mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think that's probably end up getting something this year. In terms that might, of like, yeah, that might be get voted in something. Okay, we'll see. All right, the next question then, Phil. Uh, why doesn't Rockstar make a solo DLC for GTA Five? Why do they mainly concentrate their activities on GTA Online? God, I wish they would. I love GTA Five's campaign. I finished it twice. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, I just want. I've more still of not that. finished it actually. I oh, should probably re- do that. It's got. It's re- it gets really, really good towards the end. Like the last yeah. heist you do in that game is amazing as yeah. well. And uh, yeah, like also, and I, I loved as I'm sure you did, Andy, Ballad of Gay Tony, and yeah. um, Lost and Damned in GTA Four. They yeah, were so they're, good. They're good at showing. In those two, the, the great thing was showing the same city from a very different perspective, from yeah. like the perspective of a biker gang or a sort of um, up and coming. What was he, a sort of bouncer stroke? He was pretty boring, wasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he but, you, still, boring, but, you, but yeah. you saw through, you saw Luis, yeah. the sort of club scene in Liberty City. So that was cool. Like, I'd like to them do that, like show us that world from a different yeah. angle. There's yeah, another, there's a couple of other cool things they did. Like they had like a noise filter for Lost and Down. Yeah, that was really mm, cool. Yeah. That it sort of made it look slightly different, a bit grimy. A bit more grungy, yeah. yeah. Or the, um, the pink cool. sun they added in uh, Ballad of Gay Tony, yeah. which made no sense, but you know. Just made it look, yeah, <laughs> if it works, it works. <laughs> but it was like. <laughs> The amount of stories that could exist within a city, just ha- yeah. just having the location, then opens itself up to you just putting specific kind of tailored stories into there. For- and, yeah, I mean, if GTA Online proves anything, it's that you don't you do not get bored of that environment. Yeah. it's um, it's it's a, it's a perfect foundation for that stuff. And so, why aren't they? Making so it? why aren't they making it? <laughs> I, I think it would make them loads of money if they did it. But like, um, it seems like GTA Online shark card thing must just like just judging from like how my little brother and his mates play those those games um i should i should point out he's not 18 so if the cops want to go and arrest him that's fine <laughs> <laughs> um, but like uh it's uh yeah like i could i could see it's probably an just looking at 2K's financial results, you can sort of piece together what it makes per quarter <laughs> yeah and it's all, and it's... it almost sounds like they make about half a million a day or something it, <laughs> not for just from GTA I don't think but like just judging yeah. from the numbers it's it's successful you know but maybe they're I mean busy working on like the the Rockstar North like the main team are busy working on the next one I'm sure they are they must have started work on it because these are like four five year ventures aren't mm. they these oh games. yeah yeah I'm, I'm, yeah I'd like to think they are and they haven't done a Valve and they're like yeah we're not making single player games anymore we're right. just doing and it'll be on PC yeah. in seven years. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, and it's it's been three years since uh, GTA Five originally launched on console. Mm. So, yeah, you would expect they're fairly far along by now. But um, but yeah, GTA Online is re- is is really good. But like, uh, it is yeah. It's it's yeah. In fact, I I don't. Uh, it sounds like uh, we've just run a piece in the, in the magazine this issue where it sounds like some problem with griefing and hackers like. Um, but if you just play it with a couple of mates in your own private server, then it's actually like a really fun experience to do some of that extra missions. Yeah, I think there's a lot of missions and heists, specifically like the online heists there, which are amazing. That if you can just get a private server with people you know on, you can avoid the hacking and the hackers and the <clears throat> assholes and just have some fun. If you want to go in solo, though, it's just, you know. Yeah, uh, but the thing is, I think even things like uh, the last couple of updates, so the one that added like all the business stuff, the CEO stuff, mm. and the one that added all the biker stuff, they don't function as <clears throat> like instant missions. They're kind of things that you're meant to be doing on the in like a, a public open world server. Right. So you know you you pick up stuff and 
take it somewhere else or that is that sort of it's it's their fetch kind of fetch quest thing but the danger is there are other players yeah survival game kind of thing yeah and that's that can be really fun but at the same time if there are hackers or whatever then it just ruins the experience and it's like well and it's not it's not actually my idea of what is fun about gta which is uh exploration story atmosphere music like yeah and, I, even you know, even away from those things the the entertaining things we've done even on the like on the public server wasn't let's go and tangle with a bunch of other players it yeah. was let's try and break into the army base and steal this one specific tank because yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what the game has decided my ceo wants i will say this though i think that kudos to rockstar that they have given away every single piece of dlc they've made yeah. for that for free and it's basically <clears throat> paid for by the people who do pay for the shark cards and yeah. stuff like fair enough that is a that is a 40 pound game that you can play the single mm. player for 100 hours and then the online element forever like that's yeah. it's they've done right by me no matter what i think um i it's only the fact that i love the single player stuff so much that i only slightly begrudged yeah. the online success mm. you know yeah that's um, fair enough okay next question then okay uh, 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 uh can't read that <laughs> is it libelous don't want to read that it's not about john travolta is it it's about <laughs> Let's say it's about a studio that made a space game that I think has been dumped on by the internet enough. Okay, yeah. wow. wow. And let's not go into that. Let's not Star carry system. on down that road. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that with, asteroid field. <laughs> with Dishonored 2 out today, what are your immersive sim highlights? And is there an ongoing future for the genre? That question's by Ali Jones. I realised I wasn't reading out people's names. So no, that's right. Let's I mean, do that. Their names mean nothing to me. You did read out. You read out Murray's name. Murray something. I about? must have if you know his name was Murray. Yeah, there you go. Um, Great immersive sim moments. I mean, um, I'm doing a reinstall for the original Deus Ex at the moment, and I've I replayed Liberty Island, and that which I've done probably mm. fifty times in my life, and it's still a great, you know, bit of design, a great level, so many ways to do it, and. Um, I remember the first time I played that as well. Like I, I, the first time I played Deus Ex was on a PlayStation 2. Nice. It was released for that, and I remember not knowing a thing about it, and I think I borrowed, borrowed it off someone, and I got to live it on, and I went, holy shit, this game is like... There's a million things to do, and there's a million ways of playing this game. I had no idea, and ever since, like having now played it on PC many times, it's still great bit of level design i bought that ps2 port when i was stranded in spain i think for like a winter not like that's an exaggeration but i uh it was like i think it was like a week but um and yeah and it actually had to load bits of liberty island in it bit by yeah bit. oh yeah. no yeah i remember yeah. that was my experience with it and when i played the pc version where it's all one continuous level i was like this is how it should have been yeah and actually if you play the um on steam now there's a thing called uh, deus ex revision which is a fan-made mm. uh sort of um over total overhaul for the original Deus Ex and again it remixes Liberty Island there's some new areas there's uh, more detail and foliage and stuff if it was more like a real place than a sort of big grey boxy yeah. do, you, do you prefer yeah. that Andy or do you, do you prefer the original I prefer the original for like because that was what I and Storm wanted yeah. it to be like but I like the remix as a kind of like fun way to revisit it in a, mm. from a slightly more yeah different angle in terms of uh, Liberty Island mid-level loading scenes for the PS2 version, if you'd like to experience that for yourself, try playing Deus Ex Invisible War. That's <laughs> very true. Play the final level of that for some... <laughs> it's interesting. I just remember, like, uh, there's that 
bit where you can have when you reach the center of the island and you just go to climb the first ladder it just started loading again i was like for fuck's sake <laughs> yeah um but no um, that, re- that, yeah okay. I, they should they should totally remake the original deus ex yeah. like just eat, smooth out the controls a bit and see they'd have to make interface. it so much smaller though because the original deus ex is an obscenely massive game like yeah. you've got new york paris hong kong vandenberg air force pace and area 51 and they're all massive and you go back to them like twice each i think some of them and they're, yeah. they're very sparse so if they make yeah. it now they'd have to fill it with shit wouldn't they yeah, yeah. yeah. with modern production especially the, the production values of the new deus ex games is so overly lavish that they'd have to make it a lot smaller but yeah if they even like a sort of condensed hong kong condensed paris and new york i'd be i'd be up for that yeah i think so just the same story and like the same that you've been able to explore the unatco base yeah and, like, with <laughs> modern graphics would be so so good for with few more people in each level it was a nice yeah. it's just a lovely aesthetic as well mm. like it, that sort of you know i do like the uh, recent deus ex's kind of like art direction but i don't know i it was so of the time deus yes. ex's like the look of it and the character yeah. designs and stuff and long leather coats and sunglasses and men in black <laughs> yeah and like sort of secret government bases and all that it was like it, it wasn't as um i think because it was like it was after the world it sort of started spiraling into chaos whereas the Idos Montreal games are like when it's just about to yeah. go bad, and the, so I'd like to see like that world back in the post mm. sort of mid-apocalyptic stage where everything's fucked. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, to answer the question, I guess like Dishonored is probably the that perfect middle ground of like player expression, exploration, and yeah choosing your approach and both approaches being so refined like if you play thief or deus ex now if you're a new player to those games you probably just won't get over the issues I, it, it the controls, can be a struggle you know? yeah yeah it's so like and dishonored is a very good encapsulation of what those games did well along with some interesting new elements and a gorgeous world to explore hmm. um i do like uh human revolution as well i replayed that recently and that's that is that game's a, a bit uglier than i remember but um yeah. it's it's its systems are legit. It works. It works yeah. very well. Um, and so, yeah, I, yeah, I suppose those. And that's uh, on the borderline, I guess. But the original Bioshock too. I just started playing the remaster of that, and that's still yeah. that's still great. Stuff like Neon Struct, which is a cool sort of homage to the original Deus Ex by um, minor minor key games. That's a good one as well. If you want a, a sort of pad down, uh, very you know, boldly simple but still fun immersive sim, that's a good shout. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Phil? Yes. Those are all. All of those. Those are all the good <coughs> ones. That's That's almost all of the immersive sims. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, there's. You can make an argument for vampire something the like masquerade. Yeah, oh, yeah, vampire or stalker or. Stalker, although yeah. I've always bounced off stalker because it's maybe a, a bit too bleak and mm-hmm. everything is a bit too quick to kill you, which I get. Like atmospherically, that's very good, sort of cool. But oh, I don't know. It just. Bit harrowing to play, so sometimes I don't play it and go but, off and do other and the, things. As for the future, he sort of asked about the future. I mean, we've got Prey coming. Yeah, I think Arcane, it's. I'm looking forward I, to that. Yeah, yeah. Another Deus Ex, inevitably. I think the success of Dishonored and, if possibly, the, you know, the the kind of acclaim for the the audience that the Deus Ex kind of reboots have brought back to the genre has made it a legitimate way to create a game these days yeah um, I, think, I think you're right um someone else will someone will make a new bioshock as well i don't know who it'll be but what will happen is you'll go to a lighthouse you go to the top of the lighthouse and you will blast into outer space yeah you go to a messed up space base you know we got kickstarters for like or 
whatever's going on with like your System Shock reboots and remakes and yeah, sequels and yeah. yeah, new System Shock and a remake of the original. Yeah, yeah. And so I think like it seemed like if the last, I hope, I really hope that if the last kind of five to five years or so has been about kickstarting classic RPGs and bringing back the Infinity Engine style then maybe the next five years could be kickstarting a bunch of really cool immersive sim ideas because i mean if you think about it um paradox now has the world of darkness license as well so they could well be working on some new vampire based material yeah that'd be great okay cool all right well it's uh yeah it's it's, i really it's a it's a very fun genre, and you can still see its. So. Uh, you can see its legacy in the likes of Far Cry Four or Metal Gear Solid, well. Metal Gear Solid yeah. Five. Yeah, so yeah. they're not going away. Um, I'm sure Kojima's next thing will have some elements of it as well. Um, Quite possibly. Okay, Phil, what's next? Okay, uh, not going to read that. Not going to read that. Who are your favourite NPCs, and what do you think about Westworld, a show where many of the main characters are essentially NPCs? I sort of. Um, I I kind of thought there wasn't. It's, there's some interesting things to be said about Westworld, but I think too many journalists have written about it, and not I enough think, game developers have written about yeah, it. Yeah, maybe too many games journalists have gone. This is like games. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. Um, so had a hot no take. spoilers, please. It's That's good. Right. Uh, I'm I, enjoying uh, it. I want to. I've got it lined up to watch. If you like westerns and video games, yeah, pr- production design is the same team who did uh, the Dark Knight films and uh, Nolan's other films, Andy. So you'll like it. A lot, and I like Ed Harris. Yeah, he's very good in it. It's um, it's interesting. I I, I think. I, I tweeted this a few weeks ago, um, so apologies if you've read that and are now hearing this, but um, I think that the game-like elements you see in Black Mirror and um, Westworld of late are a reflection of the fact that the people who write and direct TV shows now are just... It's a generation that grew up with games yeah. or perceive games in a different way, and that's just inevitably going to happen more and more. Um, but it's interesting because I, always th- I thought that... Uh, TV shows and films would just be adaptations of games, but I never really thought about the idea of applying game-like logic to uh, TV sh- a show or film to create drama that feels legitimate. But you can you can do that. Mm. It, it turns out that, that I think both things both of these things suggest that you can do that, and it works quite well. You can incorporate game-like elements into other fiction, and it works. It yeah. provides interesting results. Mm. There's an NPC in uh, the original Baldur's Gate I always liked um, called Nuba. And you go to this town and and Baldur's Gate, and he he's like a sort of si- simple farmer simpleton. Is that an acceptable word to say these days? <laughs> he's a simpleton. Um, he's like you know he's like the local sort of idiot, and he mm. he sort of walks up to you, and w- whenever a character engages you in a conversation in Baldur's Gate, it freezes the game and brings up a dialogue thing, and so he, he says some nonsense to you, and you go you know go away, bugger off, <laughs> and then he just keeps coming up to you yeah, when you're trying to walk somewhere. Hey yeah, uh, yeah, hey yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you can like the game. What it is is that it's Bioware trying to make you kill him, like ma- you know, make him so frustrating that you, that you think I'm just gonna explode him with a magic missile. <laughs> it's just a great bit of like, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess great on, bit of trolling uh, for want of a much better. Word. On a similar note, I guess uh, Sandal from uh, Dragon Age Enchantment. That guy. <laughs> yeah, but he's legit great. So he, he is great. But my friend, <laughs> my friend Andrew always said. Why did that bloke name his son after a shoe? <laughs> Why did he call him Sandal? <laughs> like, it was he making some kind of judgment on him when he gave him that name? Uh, anyway, sorry, yeah, that was. Uh, that yeah, there's good. a lot of good annoying and, um, ones, like, yeah, um, like adoring the, fan. The adoring fan yeah. from Oblivion, yeah. And, yeah. It's funny, those sti- the annoying ones stick in our heads more than. Because they're the yeah. ones you probably killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, 
Yeah, I was trying to think of like some fun quest givers or whatever. I don't uh, know. What about her? That Didn't you have made... a story you wanted to tell? Oh yeah, there was some. There's a guy in. Uh, I can't remember his name now, but it's a guy in Star Junction uh, in GTA 4. One of the strangers who like I I walked past that exact location in New York and basically met the same guy, but I can't remember enough the details about him now to really tell that story. But if you remember that guy, you meet him. I think you have to take him to the hospital eventually. He's trying to sell you music or something. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's loads of those guys in in Times Square, isn't they? Trying to sell their like homemade rap. CDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are, that's it's and it's interesting that that is it's inspired by real life. Clearly, you know, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. GTA. I mean, GTA is full of interesting NPCs. Um, yeah. Mm. Oh, I don't. Why is this so hard? I actually? thought we should do. We should do a. We should do a feature for the website. Where we talk about favorite Ooh, NPCs. Is yeah. this a listicle? In yeah, this is a, this nice. a listicle. <laughs> yeah, of, a favorite a and least favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've, I'd like quite a lot of the uh, NPCs in Bioware games. Actually, like I always, yeah. I always had a soft spot for that guy you meet at the Citadel in Mass Effect, who is voiced by uh, Saul Tai from Battlestar Galactica. The yeah, one who's the like security the, chief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was good it's character. A, yeah, it's a largely inconsequential role, but he just like he, he dips into. I think he's in Thane's loyalty quest, and like you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's just in a, he just makes enough appearances to to be memorable. Uh, while still being good, I like yeah, that. it's quite like the, the, you get like this kind of uh, just sense of professionalism from him and world weariness, but also it's just it's nice. You both go and getting about your jobs, and it's the, the respect there is quite cool. Yeah, what about that um, woman raiding the bins in Human Revolution? She was a good NPC, wasn't she? <laughs> oh, you mean you mean that one? But... No, she wasn't. Or the dancing bloke. <laughs> the dancing bloke. I, lo- I love that okay. when you listen to the commentary on Human Revolution, you go past the dancing bloke in the subway. Like, I think it's one of the developers is like, oh god. Even though, like, why did we put a? Why did we think in the future like break dancers were going to be like? Do you know what this? Moshing. Yeah. Do you know what Detroit needs? It needs a twat. He's <laughs> a massive bellend. I. I've uh, there's a there's that NPC in um, I didn't realize that the NPC in Human Revolution who you meet in the police station like Jensen's old buddy or oh, colleague yeah, yeah. that you could you can get him fired for letting you into the police station. I only did this on second playthrough, and then he'll later come and try and kill you when you leave your apartment. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, That's like um, it's really quite horrible because. You've got. I mean, you can knock him out, I guess. But I just sort of like, yeah. He left and he said, and then he just goes, "I left my, I lost my job, thanks to you, Adam." And then just pulls out a gun and starts shooting. And I just bladed him while the receptionist uh, was just looking at it, like in horror. And I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> I feel awful. This got real. <laughs> yeah. But I appreciate the detail, and you know, that's that's that why guy. we love immersive sims. Yes, it stuff. is. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Is there, there's other uh, questions. Though there are maybe two more. Should we uh, add, one more then? All right. Adam, yeah. well, this one's really quick. Adam Cole, can you get Chris to do another series of No Trace for Dishonored 2, please? That was Chris's video series where he tried to leave No Trace behind in the Dishonored area. I would levels. watch that. I want to watch I that. I know so he's, he's, he's mentioned it. wanting to do it. Yeah. But, you know. It's a lot of work. Whether there will be time it, to make yeah. a ma- massive video diary series, who knows? He said it took him a week to do one video in the last series, so. Okay. Yes, yeah, a big task, but if he's got time, I'm sure he'd do it. I'll talk to him and report back. Um, was there one more then, Phil? Uh, actually, no. There's um, someone called Reckoner VR, who uh, <coughs> profile claims them to be a virtual reality enthusiast, asked us to talk about VR. There's so much going on with this tech in both hardware and software, and you guys never talk about it. But as we've pointed out yeah. before, that's because nobody really owns yeah. it. I went for like a year of very little about, demand. Yeah, yeah, I wrote about VR constantly I had a column and like you know I was really into it personally but I realized that no one else was it was like 
VR, writing about VR is like telling someone about a dream you had. Incredibly interesting to you, but to the person <laughs> who did uh, utterly boring. This is, that is a, a very really good analogy. That is a really that's, good that's analogy. That's the problem with VR, so. That's, that's why Andy is so the I, king I, of Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I went through, you know, a period of trying to like go, but seriously, it's amazing, it's exciting, it's the future, and now I've, I, I feel nothing but ennui thinking about VR. <laughs> <laughs> Just as it's come out. I'm like, yeah. Eh. So, no, it's, yeah. yeah, and there's also like, a lot of people are, there's still a lot of people doing think pieces on VR. They're like, all sharing a video of my granddad wore a VR headset. Isn't amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, g- great. Yeah. Good for him. He's from a generation that got to own property. La di da. It's amazing. Like, have yeah. a, you know, you'll have an amazing weekend with a, with a Vive. I'm convinced know, by the tech. Is, yeah. yeah. I'm just waiting for a game to happen. Yeah. I've uh, played enough it. experiences, I think. I want a <laughs> yeah. game in VR now. Yeah. Uh, uh, to that person who asked the question, though, I'm glad that you enjoy VR. And, um, if yeah, don't the- sound too dismissive there. It's just that we've tried and no one read it. Yeah, VR yeah. stuff. So. We, gave so. it, we gave it a proper go. We did like an Oculus cover in the US. So we did like a, an Oculus cover here. Like We did a review of both headsets many pages long. Yeah, like, you know, we, We've done our bit. Yeah, we, we've gone for it. And we we all, tried, all right? <laughs> Leave us alone. Like anything in PC gaming, like if, if the landscape changes and more people adopt it, we will write about it more. It's just, you know, you've got to write to things that people are legitimately interested in. And right yeah. now, people are thinking about playing Dishonored 2 rather than owning a VR headset. It's just that it seems to be what it's like from, yeah. uh, from the numbers. Anything else, Phil? Nope, that is cool, let's end everything that down, I am prepared to read. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, I have, like, two things to plug. Uh, the first thing Sweet. is we are bringing back the PC Gamer Weekender in the United Kingdom in uh, February 2017, the 18th and 19th, and you can now buy tickets. They are on sale. You can still get the early bird rate and buy a ticket from 9.99. That's at weekender.pcgamer.com. We have a new issue out next week, which has Ark Survival Evolved on the cover. We talk about the future of that, but it's also got, like, loads of features on... Uh, like the making of Sapienza and Hitman, like Phil mentioned, um, the anniversary feature on Company of Heroes. We do like 20 mods that will enhance classic games in your Steam library. And uh, there's a review special as well, full of reviews of Battlefield 1, Civ, and the like. So those are all things you can do. You can read our writing anytime on PCGamer.com. And uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll try and be back a bit uh, a bit sooner. We'll talk more about Dishonored 2 next week. And uh, yeah, hmm, is there other stuff? Probably other stuff, isn't there? Probably other stuff. Maybe we'll have played a bit more Tyranny or I keep any meaning... Tyranny at all. Yes, yeah, so I keep meaning to play that game Owlboy, which sold quite oh, well yeah. on Steam. And, a lot yeah. of people are into that. It yeah, looks like it's sort of it seems like another. This it's this year's um, pixel game feels game. Yeah, like, uh, like it seems like Undertale. this year's like yeah, Ori in the Blind Forest or. Yeah, I've had feelings and it was 2D. <laughs> Not to be dismissive, <laughs> sorry. I, just, <laughs> uh, I, oh, guess, I was worried what the episode podcast, the podcast episode title would be. But. <laughs> no, I, I, really, I recognise those games are valuable. La-di-da. Um, have a lovely uh, weekend and uh, we'll be back very soon. <laughs>